When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What's going on, everyone? Red Sox beat CLNS Media, the leading online provider of audio and video coverage for your Boston Red Sox on Twitter at Red Sox CLNS. All the coverage for the Red Sox there. For CLNS Media on Twitter at CLNS Media for the network as well. Facebook, Red Sox Beat Podcast as well on iTunes and Stitcher. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to us. Uh, no, just this week he is working Game 7 as we record this. So just me, myself, and I, but I do bring on a very, very special guest. Uh, we are now joined by Jen McCaffrey from The Athletic Boston. Jen, how are we? Good, how are you? Uh, doing well, doing well. How have uh, things been going since you transitioned to The Athletic? Pretty good, actually. Yeah, uh, it's been uh, it's been great. I started right at the beginning of the season. Uh, had been at Mass Live for for four years, so yeah, yeah. The move to the Athletic was uh, pretty pretty cool. So been working on some longer stuff, uh, some day to day stuff, but it's, it's been a good mix. A little bit of everything, it seems like, which is good. You're still covering the Red Sox on a daily basis, which is awesome. Uh, general question here, just to start, uh, from spring training all the way up to now, Jen. Um, how can you explain the chemistry compared to last year? Is there anything special going on in this clubhouse, or is it really just Alex Cora being the difference between last year and this year? Uh, you know, early in the season, I think just because they've done so well, uh, you know, chemistry is, you know, kind of goes with how, you know, teams are playing. You know, you can be, you know, everybody seems Patrick Milwaukee when they're winning, and, you know, obviously things kind of transition when they're not. Um, but by and large, this team has been pretty loose. You know, I think Cora's had a lot to do with that, uh, just kind of uh, bringing in a younger vibe. Uh, maybe some of the guys were tense last year um, and, and sort of talked a little bit about that in, in vague terms of just sort of uh, feeling a little bit of extra pressure to, to perform. Uh, so it did feel a little bit, uh, you know, this year. Some of the guys are familiar with Cora. You know, obviously, Pedroia played with Cora. Um, and and Pedroia just came back. So, I mean, uh, it's, it's definitely a little looser. Um, and, you know, I like I said, I think the winning has a lot to do with that. But uh, but at the same time, it feels like maybe they're having a little bit more fun than they have in the past. Um, and, and, and uh, you know, that kind of feeds <laughs> into the, the chemistry that being a big factor. Yeah, no, I definitely think so. And before I get to the handling news, you just kind of brought it up that Pedroia's played with Cora, and now that Pedroia's back, obviously being added in the low of the handling news, but how, how does that dynamic work? Like, does, does Pedroia respect Cora enough to just come in and listen to him? Like, how does that dynamic work as a player who you've played with before is now in charge of you? Yeah, I mean, I think we'll definitely uh, find out over the next weeks, but everything that both of them have said, um, you know, 
in the beginning of spring training, when we talked to Pedroia about it, he was pretty much like uh, telling us that, you know, Cora was his mentor and kind of, you know, his teacher when he was, you know, or rookie coming into the Red Sox and kind of Cora, you know, initiated him into everything and taught him everything that he, that he needed to know. So it, the role, in his mind, the role doesn't seem that much different uh, because now he's an actual manager yeah. and kind of listening to what, to, to, to what Cora has to say. So, you know, I, I think that uh, it'll go smoothly. I'm sure, you know, they know each other as well. So, you know, uh, I, don't, I don't see Pedroia being, you know, uh, confrontational by any means or, you know, um, trying to step on Cora's toes. I think he kind of is just very excited to be fast. Um, and that, that's kind of the key for him right now. And, and you know, I think it'll actually be a good thing to kind of have uh, two guys that are, you know, sort of on the same page uh, from way back when and, and can kind of provide... Uh, you know, uh, yeah, and what do you think Pedroia brings at this age? I mean, Jen, you know, he's not getting any younger, and yeah, he seems healthy, but he's coming off the knee situation, and um, a lot of people thought maybe this wouldn't even be a comeback. He might have just retired. Like, what does he bring at this age still to this Red Sox team? You know, I think so. I think that uh, a lot of people saying that maybe he'll retire, maybe he's not going to be good enough anymore. Maybe he's not going to have those numbers. Uh, he, he thrives uh, on, on a, you know, his whole career, he thrived on not uh, on proving himself and, and being the guy to, to say, you know, I can do what people say I can't do as, as, as a smaller guy, um, just kind of having to prove himself his whole career. Uh, so I think that, that kind of really keeps him. And obviously, you know, you need to have the health to be able to do that. But I think the fact that he took his time and they allowed him to take his time to come back from the surgery. Uh, and really heal, and they didn't kind of rush him back to the beginning of the you know uh, opening day. Uh, well, has allowed him to kind of be more successful, uh, or be more, allowed him to uh, kind of uh, put him on the right path. That's I guess we haven't really seen too much of him yet. Uh, we've only seen a couple of games. I mean, he's looked fine the first couple of games here, um, but I think we'll want to check back maybe in a month or so to see where he's at. But I, but I think that people doubting him and, and really, you know, uh, has always given him that extra fuel. And, I, you know, I, I spoke to him the last month in Florida. I had gone down there for a story and, and kind of did a one-on-one with him. And he was he was kind of chomping at the bit to kind of prove that he can play, you know, play out the rest of this contract and, and, and be the same player he has been the past few years. So, uh, you know, there's no reason to doubt that right now. And, you know, the fact that he's even back on the field, you know, 50 games into the season after major reconstructive surgery on the knee is, is, is you know, I think a testament to that. So a day-to-day question for me then, Jen, like what do, what do you see him in the lineup? Because obviously right now he's in six, you know, that's where the heck is hide to put him in so far. But, um, you know, he's naturally been hitting two, number two for so long, but do, do you see him working his way back up to number two? Um, wh- where, where does your vision for him in the lineup as you goes? Because right now the top lineup, you don't really want to mess with it as much as possible. Yeah, you know, I think, uh, you know, they'll ease him in. I don't think they're going to be expecting him to hit in the two or three hold, you know, right out of the bat. And seeing that right now, obviously, he's hitting the lower part of the order. Um, I think they kind of want to give him time. You know, they don't want to – he wants to put all the pressure on himself to produce, but I think they want to alleviate some of that, um, kind of save him from himself. And, you know, Ford has talked, too, about this sort of uh, the week-to-week plan of how many days he's going to play. They don't want him to play, you know – four or five days in a row right off the bat. They might play in three and sit him and then play in two and then sit him and then play in three and that kind of thing yep. for, for maybe the first month or so or until the all-star break um, and just kind of see how he goes. Uh, but, you know, I think 
once he starts to kind of maybe get on a roll, they'll, they'll maybe bump him up a little bit and, you know, not having uh, Hanley anymore kind of provides, you know, uh, maybe a spot for him in, in that, you know, first part of the order. So we'll, we'll kind of see if he kind of works his way into that or if maybe he does fit better in that bottom part. Um, you know, I, I have a feeling he's going to eventually get moved up, um, but I would give him, a, you know, probably a, I think that they'll probably give him like a month or so, and I wouldn't honestly. I wouldn't be surprised if they give him sort of until the All Star break, just to kind of ease his way in a month, a month and a half into the season, and then kind of you know let him let him loose in the second half. All right, you mentioned it, you teased it, so you did my job for me. <laughs> uh, a little segue, <laughs> but um, obviously the move that Dustin Pedroia got added to the roster, Hanley Ramirez was the unfortunate soul. He was DFA'd. Um, we're not really sure what's going on with him yet, the decision they're going to make on him, but um, he's no longer a member of the Boston Red Sox. First of all, what was your initial reaction, Jen, to this? Because it sounds like Cora was the initial decider of this, and then Dombrowski came down and made that final decision. But when you first heard the news that this was the decision, what was your initial reaction as a person who covers the team on a day-to-day basis? Surprised, yeah. I mean, I would, I'd be lying if I said anything else, and I think everyone, uh, every one of us that covers the team was pretty surprised. Uh, it was, it was just, uh, you know, for the longest time, it was, what are they going to do, uh, you know, release Swihart or send Holt down or do something with the bullpen? And, and I don't even think anybody considered that they'd release Hanley until, you know, Alex Spear had the report in the globe. So, uh, yeah, that was, that was pretty surprising. And I mean, when you start to look at it and, you know, that you weren't, what they were going to do with the vesting option, obviously, at the end of the year. He was playing a lot. Uh, he wasn't hitting that well over the past month, which Moreland was, and kind of, you know, Cora talked a lot about wanted the, one of the main reasons was they wanted to mix Moreland more into the lineup, and he didn't feel that, you know, Hanley would be able to uh, take to a, to a, a bench role well, um, and that, that that wouldn't be, you know, he wouldn't be able to perform to, to the, you know, to the capabilities that he is now in a, in a, in a bench role. So I think that there were a lot of factors, but it was surprising. And, uh, and to, for Dombrowski to kind of come out in that, you know, first press conference he had with him to say, you know, this was Cora's, you know, decision, it, it was surprising. It was weird. That that part threw a lot of us off, and uh, us outsiders who don't get to be there every day, too. But, like, when I hear a GM say, well, Nick Cora initially made the decision, I'm like, are you deflecting, or, like, what is this? Yeah, you know, what I think it is is that they hired Cora for, because he is uh, so upfront with things. He's been, when he, he sticks to his guns, I guess, is a, is a better way to put it. He, you know... He's rested, guys. Uh, he hasn't, you know, swayed from that just because there's an outside pressure of, our, you know, you should play this guy because he's been hitting well. He's still rested his guys. Uh, he stuck with that plan for the starters and kind of pushing them back a little bit to save some of their bullets. Like, he's been very um, just kind of steadfast in a lot of his decisions, and I think that, you know, that's one of the main reasons they hired him. And I think Dombrowski... Uh, you know, Dombrowski's always said that he wanted a, you know, a vocal manager and, and sort of always, you know, considers what, what his managers say. And this was presented itself and Cora, you know, had a sort of reasoning behind it. And, and, and I think Dombrowski was open to that. So I think it was kind of a collaborative effort. But at the same time, uh, I think Dombrowski kind of appreciated that Cora had thought this through, um, you know, kind of had a plan and, and kind of was backing it and, and saying, this is what I think we should do, and it kind of wasn't wavering on things, and I think the Browns respected that, and uh, and here we are. So, you know, I think uh, we'll obviously have to see how this all works out, um, but it is pretty interesting that, 
you know, Dombrowski as a guy who's very uh, take charge, uh, was he so willing to say, you know, hey, this was this was more or less, you know, Cora's suggestion, and I agreed with it after some thought, and here we are. So, um, yeah, it's it's a pretty interesting dynamic, and it was surprising, but uh, you know, I, I think that it, it says a lot about where the organization is, you know, in terms of just um, some of the roster maneuvering and, and some of the communication uh, that they that they have. Jen, I'm curious what you think this means for their image and their thought process of Blake Swihart, because I think that was one of the initial moves that you, I'm sure you guys included in the clubhouse thought that that might be a possibility, right? Blake Swihart could be DFA'd or traded or whatever it may be, and now he's on this team, and it seems like he's not going anywhere. So what does this say that the, the team believes in Blake Swihart because he hasn't got a chance to play too much? Um, what does this speak to? Because that, that was probably the easy move. Yeah, it was. So that was the other part of it was that you know they hadn't played quite hard a lot. They figured you know this is going to be the guy that they move. Uh, and Cora pointed to a game. I think it was a, a couple you know weeks ago at Fenway uh, so during the last home stand before the Tampa trip when uh, Swihart came in and caught uh, a, a couple innings from Stephen Wright, and it was kind of on the whim, but he was prepared because he you know he catches that different guys every day pregame just to stay prepared. And I guess Cora was pretty impressed with that and kind of uh, shifted his thought process a bit, saying, you know, maybe this guy can be an off-the-bench, uh, you know, catcher or a first baseman, and maybe I should be giving him more credit than I have been. Um, you know, obviously he did that in spring training with, with Swihart, and Swihart did really well, but I think Cora was maybe a little hesitant to kind of uh, throw Swihart into the mix so soon like that. Um, and then, you know, Swihart sort of proved himself in that situation a couple weeks ago, and he started thinking, you know, maybe this is a guy that we need to hold on to that, you know, can be a, a, a first base, a first baseman, a right-handed hitting first baseman that we can, you know, switch in and out. I don't know if Hanley's going to be the type of guy that can come off the bench. And I think the dominoes kind of start to fall, and, and that's kind of how it came together for Cora. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, you gotta assume that Swihart's gonna have a you know an increase, uh, you know playing opportunities from here on out. Obviously today uh, with Mookie getting scratched, he entered the game into left field. So uh, I think you're gonna see a lot more of this. Do you see him behind the plate at all? Because th- this is the more puzzling thing to me, at least from the outside looking in, watching and seeing that the catching situation hasn't been great. And I'm a guy who's been on record a lot here supporting Christian Vasquez, but like, why hasn't he gotten a chance behind the plate yet? Because even it's not like Sandy Leon's been much better than anybody here either. Yeah, I mean, again, I think it honestly had to do with Cora not necessarily. I don't know if I want to say that he didn't trust him, but that <laughs> I think he felt that those you know, two more veteran catchers in Leon and Vasquez could better handle the pitching staff. But when they started to fall off, you know, offensively, I think he started to reconsider things and thought, well, maybe I should start to mix in Swihart. And then, you know, and then, and then everything happened with Hanley and that kind of all fell together. So, you know, in that press conference we had the other day with, with Dombrowski and Cora, they both said that, you know, Swihart will see opportunities catching. I, I you know, we'll have to wait and see on that. Um, and obviously, they'll have to, you know, figure out the right situation. They're not going to throw them into, you know, a, a really key game. They might want to, you know, ease them in maybe during a Tampa series or something that, you know, is, is a little less stressful just because he hasn't, uh, you know, started a game catching um, at the major league level anyway in, in a while. 
so, uh, so yeah, we'll, we'll have to kind of wait and see, but, you know, it, it makes all the sense in the world to kind of mix them in, uh, just because those two guys, uh, Vasquez and Leon haven't been hitting. Uh, so I guess, I guess my answer is we'll have to wait and see, but yeah, you know, you, you would think that he would, especially, you know, with, with Hanley not here anymore. And that's, you know, kind of the thing, the way things are trending. Talking to Forrest Jen McCaffrey of the athletic Boston section side of things. And Jen, I have to ask about the bullpen because, you know, it, it's been okay, uh, but you still don't really have that eighth inning guy. Um, do we have a timeline time on Tyler Thornburg of when he's supposed to be back? And if whenever he is back, do you think he can come in and be that eighth inning guy that slots in to help this team out in the back end? Yeah, well, okay, so I'll answer the first part uh, first. Uh that same day that everything happened with Hanley, it kind of got lost in the, in the mix, but they basically decided that uh, his uh, Thornburg uh, uh, injury, or DL skin basically, was coming to an end uh, early this week, and they knew he wasn't going to be 100% ready by the time uh, the DL skin ended. They didn't want to throw him in that, activate him and throw him back into the bullpen and, and have him, you know, possibly be having to pitch uh, two three days in a row in, in the situation rose uh, and, and re-injure himself. So what they decided to do I was kind of pulling back from the DL stint and, and basically restart another one, but they have to wait a week in between. Uh, so he can't start his second DL stint until the upcoming Friday. And uh, from that point, uh, once he starts the second DL stint, he'll have another 20 days. And they are pretty, uh, it seems that they're pretty certain that he'll be able to come back within those 20 days i think i think what they're they just kind of wanted maybe an extra week or two uh just to maybe solidify some of the stuff that he's been working on and, and kind of just want to make sure because this thoracic outlet syndrome surgery is is so uh fresh uh and we don't know too much about how guys can recover from it i think they figure they play play it on the safe side because the team is doing well and you know obviously it could use some pieces here and there but they have a little leeway because of how they started so, uh, so that's where Thornburg is. And as, and as far as him coming in and being the eighth inning guy, um, you know, it, he's, he fits well in, in, in uh, Pawtucket where he's been rehabbing. Uh, you know, there's obviously – he's had the fastball. He's kind of been working on some of the, uh, you know, off pitches. Uh, but, you know, I think, you know, he's had that – we haven't seen him in a while. So it's kind of hard to, to say, you know, what he can do. Um but I think, you know, they, they're definitely going to want to see. Maybe they won't throw him into that role right away. Maybe they'll kind of ease him in for the first few weeks and sort of, you know, uh, those, you know, I won't say, maybe middle inning situations, not, not the high leverage situations, uh, just to kind of throw him back in there, you know, without too, too much on the line. But I think that they're going to want to eventually test him, maybe, you know, after he's been with the team for two, three weeks. See, see if he can handle a certain situation and then maybe ease him into that role. Uh, so I don't know if we should expect him to be the eighth inning guy right out of the bat, uh, but I think that they do expect that from him maybe in the second half of the season when he eventually kind of gets more into a group with the team. All right, Jen, one more question before I let you go here for the evening. Um, Mike Trout or Mookie Betts, who do you take and why? Ah, oh man, you know, seeing Mookie Betts every day, it's really hard, you know, there's such a uh, crazy debate that's going on right now. Trout's having a great season. Betts having a great season. I don't know. I, I can't. I can't really. I can't really deny Betts just because he's been so good 
every day that I see him. Uh, I'll have to go with that because I know that probably makes me sound like a homer. But it's just, you, know, <laughs> you see him every day, and, and it's, it's just amazing what he can do. And you know, I don't obviously you can't go wrong with one or the other. Uh, but uh, you know, I don't know. I'll, I'll put my money on that. Okay, then let me follow up with that. Then, do you think the Red Sox put their money on Mookie Betts when the time comes? I think that they do, and I think they want to. I think this whole situation will kind of fall on Mookie, and if Mookie, uh, you know, feels like he can, you know, I think he wants to stay here, but Mookie's pretty savvy with his money and, 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 and with his agents and, and knows kind of how, you know, how valued he should be, as you've seen the kind of the arbitration deal. So I think the Red Sox are definitely going to make a push for him. It's going to be a matter of, you know, if he thinks that the, what they're offering is enough, and if he feels, you know, he can push them. Uh, so if I if I had to guess, uh, I, I I could see him here long term. Uh, I don't think that'll happen anytime. You know, I th- I don't think it'll happen within the next year that they kind of sign a long term deal. But yep. I could see them working out something something for him at some point. If he's not here long term, is it a failure on the Red Sox ownership part? I would think so. I mean, he you know this is. Can you think of another player uh, that they've had? This is kind of like a, a Pedro-type player. This is like the March, you know, franchise-type player, and obviously they didn't draft Pedro. So this is a guy that you've had. This is, you know, you could argue that, that Mookie is, you know, better than Pedroia in terms of just, uh, you know, what he's provided the team and, yep. and kind of what, he's, what he can do in the future. Uh, and, you know, obviously, Pedroia's done a ton for this franchise, but, you know, Mookie has sky-high potential. So if they don't, if they can't figure out something with him, I think it would be, yeah, a pretty major disappointment for people. All right, Jenna, we'll leave it there. Uh, of course, you can follow her on Twitter at JC McCaffrey. She is the one of the Red Sox writers for the Athletic Boston. Uh, Jen, really appreciate you hopping on here on Sunday night. Uh, enjoy the rest of your weekend, and uh, hopefully have you back on soon. Sounds good. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. Thanks, Jen. All right. Once again, thank you to Jen for hopping on here from the Athletic, and she is brought to you by our good friends at Draft. If you love fantasy baseball, then you need to try our new favorite app called Draft. It's daily fantasy baseball, but not like the other guys, of course. On Draft, you play live snake drafts with other people, just like your season-long leagues. Drafts last for just one night, and once you're done drafting, that's it. No trades, no waiver wires. Just set it and forget it. And the best part, of course, you're playing for cold, hard cash, and you're getting paid out the next day. Drafts start from just $1, so there's a draft for everyone. Uh, I did a draft last night, and I was able to win simply because I was the only one that drafted Mike Trout. He went off, and, and that won. And it's easy, it's convenient, it's easy to use. Uh, so definitely join us on Draft today. You search Draft in your app store or play right now from our, your computer at Draft.com. And for a limited time only, all Red Sox beat listeners are going to get a free entry into a real money baseball draft when you make your first deposit, but you have to use our promo code Red Sox Beat. That's right, play a real money game for free with just using our promo code Red Sox Beat when you make your first deposit search draft in your app store or go to draft.com and enter the promo code red socks beat again shout out to uh jen mccaffrey of the athletic for joining us here on red socks beat this week like i mentioned before the show and you might have heard it throughout the show uh talking to jen jess was not here this week talking of working the Celtics game there so obviously gives it a little bit of a break um but quickly before we get out of here i did want to talk a little bit about that the hanley ramirez situation now um, I, my Twitter handle has been blowing up with me tweeting about how annoyed I was with this move, and I, and I still am, because when you look at the reason for it, 
there really wasn't a good reason. I think they're worried about the vesting option next year, and I think they kind of just retaliated. They, they reacted off a bad month. I think being Cora's idea was all baseball-related, and he had a bad month the month before. He hasn't been hitting well. But wouldn't you rather have Hanley Ramirez on this team versus a Blake Swire who isn't playing, a Jackie Bradley Jr. who's playing like crap? You had other options besides getting rid of one of your better pure hitters when he's right. And you have time to figure him out and make sure he is right. I don't agree with the move. I, th- I think it's a, a crap decision, but I think it's also them just trying to get out from underneath the contract. So now Cora doesn't have to worry about managing the at-bats. Uh, Jen mentioned it. You know, there's other options out there. Swihart, Bradley, uh, you know, the catching situation, someone from the bullpen. They were surprised, and those are guys who cover the team every day. There was no wind of this coming through, um, and I'm really surprised that he actually did this, and he pulled the trigger, and I'm surprised that Dombrowski was okay with this, but at the same time, Dombrowski is a numbers guy. So um, I think the Hanley move is a load of crap because they basically made the decision off of not having a good month and said, oh, well, it makes sense. He's not playing well. We have to get Moreland in. I think they're hiding behind the fact that they just didn't want to manage him the way he needed to be managed. Uh, I think it's going to come back and bite them at some point because I don't think Mitch Moreland's going to keep up this pace. Uh, so it's going to bite them in the bullet not having Hanley if they want to win this year. It made the team worse this year. Um, I don't know if it made him worse long-term because I don't think we, anybody wanted him on the team next year. But overall, right now, if you're looking to win, you had other moves to make. Blake Swihart, Jackie Bradley Jr., whoever it may be, Brock Holt, moving, going down to Bartokit as well or on the DL. You have ways around this, and then managing Hanley's at-bats. I don't think this made sense, but again, um, who am I? I'm not running the team, but I still I still am very much going to second-guess this. Unless the Red Sox go on a deep, deep run this year, then I, I think it's the wrong decision. But uh, I will wait and see on the rest of that, and I'm intrigued to see what Jess thinks next week when we kind of get him back on here as well. Um, before we get out of here, I'll do a quick quick predictions for the Red Sox upcoming week. Um, obviously, I had a week this week coming off of um, interesting week. You know, able to take two out of three from Tampa, take two out of three from Atlanta. So overall, obviously a good week. Still in first place. I have three against Toronto and then three against Houston coming up. Home against Toronto starting Monday Memorial Day and then going on the road to Houston. Uh, Price Porcello and Rodriguez against Toronto. I'm thinking two out of three there uh, because I'm not really sure which David Price you get. And Toronto, you know, is a team that's been pretty pesky with the Red Sox this year about keeping them a good game. So I think two out of three against Toronto, and I think you end up uh, against the you split with Houston. Yeah, four in Houston on the road. Um, Pomeranz, Sale, Price, and Porcello are set to go in that series. So at least you get Chris Sale, um, but you do have to face. Let's see here. We got McCullers Jr., Cole, Verlander, and Morton. So you're not getting Keuchel, but you are getting Verlander and Cole. So I think there's a good chance you'll lose those two games, but it will be good matchups because it's Sale, Cole, Price, Verlander. So those will be two good games. And then obviously next Sunday night will be Sunday night baseball um, against Houston as well. So I'm thinking split there overall puts you at four four wins for the week and hopefully that can hold and you end up being staying in first place uh, with with an easy schedule ahead after that home stand against the Tigers and the White Sox so um, I think that's going to be it for that week and we'll have to obviously wait and see until next week um, our, our, our good friends at Hims are also good sh- friends uh, and sponsor of this week's show um, 66% of men lose their hair by age 35. Thing is, when you start to notice hair loss, it is really too late, guys, and it's easier just to keep the hair you have it uh, rather than trying to replace it. So it's really just if your hairline is starting to slowly go away, you want to do something about it now uh, before you 
before you end up having that bold, bald spot. So I ask you, do you want a bald spot or pop up, or do you want something about it first? Uh, solution is for hims.com, a one-stop shop for hair loss, skin care, sexual wellness for men. Thanks to science, baldness can be optional. Hims connects you with the real doctors and medical-grade solutions to hair, to treat hair loss. And it's super easy. It's very easy to use. I definitely recommend it. It's well-known generic equivalents uh, to name brand prescriptions to help you keep your hair. No snake oils, no pills, none of that crap that they, people claim you're just going to magically grow your hair back. Hims is doing it right, guys. It's super easy. We're going to ask a few questions for you, doctor review, and prescribe you what they can. And then from there, boom, you're ready to go. Uh, but right now, my listeners are going to get a trial month of Hims. Check it out for just $5 today. Right now, while you while supplies last, see, our, see the website for full details. Uh, this would cost hundreds of dollars if you went directly to the doctor or a pharmacy go to forhims.com slash socks that's f-o-r-h-i-m-s dot com slash socks forhims.com slash socks and check out the deal there to check it out so if you're starting to ball go for it it's obviously a good recommendation uh one more shout out to jen mccaffrey from the athletic joining us and joining me here on red Sox beat this week as we uh, hopefully are leading into some good things after the Hanley move and Pedroia's back in the lineup. So hopefully it's all sunshine and daisies. That'd be ideal uh, from here on out. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Red Sox CLNS, Red Sox Beat Podcast, Facebook, and of course, rate, re- review, and subscribe to us on iTunes as well. Uh, we'll be back next week. My name is Jared Scally. This has been Red Sox Beat here on CLNS Media. <laughs>